Welcome to another episode of the University of Washington's Thrivecast, the podcast designed to help School of Medicine faculty thrive. I'm Trish Critic, and today I'm joined by Ann Browning. Ann's the Assistant Dean for Wellbeing in the School of Medicine and an expert on resilience. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ann. Of course. Thank you for having me. I invited you to come talk with me because many places, many spaces, you talk with folks about resilience. And I think that's a topic that lots of members are, of our community are interested in, and I thought it would be good to spend a little time talking more about it. So I'm actually going to start off by just asking you what you mean by resilience. And I, I know that sounds kind of silly, but I'm not sure everyone has a definition of it in their head. So let's just start with what do you mean by resilience? Sure. And I actually... I think it's a good place to start because I've, I've seen resilience conceptualized in many different ways. And it's, you know, it's become almost a buzzword in the last couple of years. Um, and certainly I think in, in the current moment, it's, it's hitting as a pretty big buzzword. Uh, and there's some pushback to this notion of uh, resilience. If, if it's being conceptualized as a, a trait or a characteristic, it's something a person has or a community has, uh, and then it can almost be conceptualized as, as, as a way of almost justifying the status quo, that, oh, they're resilient, they can handle X, Y, Z. And so we have to be very thoughtful about how we're conceptualizing resilience. And, and what we've seen in, in scoping reviews we've done with the Resilience Lab really looks at this evolution of resilience as a concept where it's moving much more towards um, a process orientation. We're thinking about resilience as something that is uh, constantly being cultivated. Uh, and we can think about, you know, it being a way of bouncing back after hitting stressors and whatnot. That's a very common kind of conceptualization. Um, but really, it's, if we think about the keys to resilience, it's, it's really kind of about leveraging relationships and connections. It's about fostering positive emotions uh, and really kind of being anchored in a sense of purpose. But it's a, a way in which we, after experiencing a hardship or a stressor, kind of support our return to baseline. Um, sometimes, you know, even thinking about thriving, we can actually see ourselves come up above that previous baseline, having endured some stress uh, and increasing our distress tolerance. Uh, so there are some different ways in which we see it conceptualized and the word resilience used. Uh, really, it's kind of that, that return to baseline or even to a higher point than your previous baseline. So you talked about a bunch of things that are interesting there that I want to kind of dive into a little bit more. Yeah. So the kind of basic definition you said, some challenge and then the ability to return to where you were or as i'd like to think for our folks moving beyond that to thrive yep. which i think is exactly the space that we'd like to get to the first thing that you talked about was is it something that's an inherent trait or is it a process and a set of skills that one could develop and it sounds like you said i'm not using that lens of saying some people are born resilient some aren't or those <laughs> folks are resilient and instead it's something that we could strive for is that right? Absolutely. And it's, it's context specific. It is something you continuously cultivate. Um, if we want to think about our, our ability to change over time, <clears throat> you know, I think we can, we can think about um, even the structure and our function of our brains is something that is actually malleable throughout our lifespan. So resilience, coping skills, 
um, one I mentioned even around kind of fostering positive emotions, like that's actually a skill we can develop in a neural pathway we can cultivate uh, to kind of help ourselves um, thrive and rebound after hardship. So it's, it's certainly something that um, we want to move away from this idea of it being a trait or a characteristic um, in something that is kind of continuously cultivated and a process. So let's talk a little bit more about cultivating that. So you talked about this kind of positive mindset and I'll ask you how we might strive for having that. I also will say it feels to me like some people do have that lens more naturally than others. So for some people, I think it's harder to get there. So talk me through how that, how we, we cultivate that. And I might ask some follow-up questions about it. Sure. Uh, in terms of kind of, you know, cultivating a positive lens or co- cultivating positive emotions, um, and probably the, the easiest way to do that uh, is wildly simple and, and just kind of being able to practice gratitude. Um, and really what we, we think to and pay attention to changes the structure and function of our brain. So even when there's a lot of hard stuff happening in our work worlds and our home worlds, kind of everywhere, uh, being able to draw our attention toward with, you know, intentionally toward what we are grateful for, uh, what are the things we, we are really positive about in that moment, we are creating kind of that neural pathway toward seeing a more expansive view of things and towards um, kind of that, that more positive outlook, that, that kind of reframing of what might still be a very hard moment, uh, but that perspective shift can be really powerful. I think that concept of gratitude resonates with me. And I'm curious, I want to take that a little bit further. Like one is feeling grateful. And there's many times during the day where I pause and have that emotion. Mm -hmm. The other is acting on that gratitude. So for me, that's thank you note writing. Um, I'm a big handwritten note person. And I like to do that. Sometimes it's gift giving to say thank you for something that people have done. But is it is it enough to, to, to feel the gratitude? Or do you need to do something with that gratitude? I would say, you know, that that reframe piece is is powerful in and of itself. And that if I'm if I'm stuck thinking about a very narrow band of things that are, are very hard right in front of me, and I give myself that perspective of like broadening and being like, okay, this is really hard, but what are a couple of things I'm really grateful for in my life right now? It allows me to kind of take that step back and recognize kind of the the, the broader surroundings that might have some really bright points. Um, with human negativity bias, we are we are typically directed to pay attention to the the negative thing or the hard thing right in front of us. Uh, and if we want to think about psychological flexibility and kind of allowing ourselves to have a more positive mindset, training ourselves to you know do that kind of reframing and broadening can be incredibly helpful. We can be very stuck right here. Um, and to get creative and innovative, that process of teaching ourselves to step back, it's really powerful. There is, however, a really good benefit toward uh, leveraging that kind of letter writing, you know, thank you note writing, I think because it does two things. One, it is awesome to receive a really thoughtful thank you note from somebody. And so in that, you're actually creating your, your connectivity to that person. You're fostering that relationship. Uh, and at the same time, we actually get a pretty good psychosocial boost uh, from writing the thank you letter, from taking that moment uh, to kind of articulate what it is we're really grateful for. And I've, I've tried this, and I, I 
will admit I've been kind of off the wagon and on the wagon this year with this. Uh, but I try to write one thank you letter a week as part of a kind of gratitude practice. Uh, and it's incredibly powerful in that it kind of shifts my, my mindset as I move through the week to, to pay attention to the thing I see somebody doing. I'm like, that was awesome. I want to make sure I, I kind of call that out and acknowledge that. Um, and I think it really, again, it's great for relationship building. And it's, it's great to kind of draw my attention towards the things I want to be noticing that otherwise kind of just flitter by. Yeah, I have had that same micro practice of one letter a week. And it's interesting. I've included writing them to my family members, which completely freaked them out when they first yep. got them, but in a really positive way. They're like, where did this come from? Um, Are you okay? Thank you. <laughs> but I wanted to express what I was grateful for about them. And uh, I found that was really affirming for me to do. And I also do it at work a lot. And so I like that micro practice. So I heard you say, there's something about just a pause and the think of like, what am I grateful for in this moment? But maybe some of those other micro practices of actually writing the thank you note is helpful. Are there any other micro practices around gratitude that you would advocate for? Goodness. Um... None that none that are popping to mind right now, but I do think that that you know creating that habit. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say one that that my family has done. Um, we we try to kind of pause before we have a four year old before she goes to bed and kind of do a thankful for, a grateful for. And it's kind of a reflection, like what was the best part of your your day or your week, and, and kind of what do you want to say that you're grateful for. And it, I think it helps to kind of have that practice as a family too. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's one that we've, we've kind of been developing over time. Okay. Well, I'm confident other, the listeners might have other ones and mm -hmm. I think we should share these with each other because making that gratitude a personal practice, but also making it tangible, I think adds to the, the, the greater ethos of positive perspectives. Um, there's other aspects to cultivating resilience that I've heard you talk about in various settings. And I thought, I, you know, maybe we could talk a little bit about that. So are there other practices beyond the gratitude part that are things that we can do to help cultivate our own personal resilience? Certainly, certainly. And there's, you know, some really good core behavioral practices to help folks experience resilience. Um, one of them kind of overlaps with one of those keys to resilience, which is really focusing on relationships. And I think Acknowledging that, that relationships are work, we need to be intentional about fostering them um, and tending to them. And I think, especially in higher stress moments and when things are, are pretty difficult, making sure that we're still making time to pay attention to those relationships is a biggie. Um, exercise, which really boils down to just moving your body in some, uh, some meaningful way to you. Uh, so for some folks, that's a walk. For some folks, that's, you know, going for early morning bike rides. It's whatever is meaningful to you. Uh, we see a pretty, pretty good um, physiological and mental well-being that comes out of doing that. Some things that are actually, you know, tricky, especially as we see stress and anxiety rise is, you know, are you eating well and are you sleeping? Um, and as stress increases, we see a tendency to let go of those two things. Um, and if we think about kind of our sleep and our well-being, trying to, to maybe even be thoughtful about where our devices live in our house uh, and kind of how much we allow ourselves 
to almost kind of zone out and pay attention to a device that might make it harder to turn off and, and get some rest. Uh, but sleep and eating well are biggies. Another one is, is having some focus on fun, things that are just enjoyable activities. And, you know, it can be kind of hard to do when our patterns are, are disrupted. Um, but I would say in any given two-week period, have something that is within your control that is just for fun that, you know, you can, you can be looking forward to. Uh, so if it's like an evening picnic out on a beach somewhere, having that kind of thing that you can be like, I'm going to look forward to that. That kind of helps you get through some of the hard stuff. Um, time in nature is another biggie. Uh, we've been, we're so fortunate that we live in the Pacific Northwest and we've been having a pretty glorious spring into summer. And I think it, it's really helpful that we can get outside. Um, and we certainly have seen studies where even walking for 15 minutes kind of decreases rumination on kind of negative, negative thoughts and feelings. Forest bathing kind of resets your biorhythms if you can truly just go and immerse yourself in nature. Uh, so those are some of the, the really big ones that I think are pretty salient. Those are, those are great and they resonate with me. I'm a big fan of the moving your body and I have taken your permission to say in any way possible, you know, any way you choose. So my exceedingly slow running counts as, as that checking that box. And I do it outside for exactly the same reason, even though it's not the mountains or on the water, it's still outside. So I hear that. Um, I think the part about fun is interesting and how to give people permission to, to do that when they feel stressed. And so this is a hard question, but like, how do you get people to let themselves do that? Right? Because I think when people have a lot of work or it's a distressing time or something's pulling them in a lot of different directions, the part where it's like, I'm just going to go watch a movie for three hours and I'm not going to pay attention to the rest of this. Somehow we have to help people say, I'm going to go do that. It feels indulgent. Yeah, exactly. Which is so important, right? It's, it's really important. But it's getting over the hurdle to say, for three hours, I'm just going to disconnect and do this. Or for yeah. five days, I'm going to disconnect and do this. But like, let's just start with three hours. Yeah. I would say some of the best advice I got when I was uh, training and I was rowing competitively, uh, one of my, my colleagues who was a much more senior person on the team, uh, she was like, you know, pull, you know, basically pulled me aside and said, you really have to be intentional of making sure that you're resting as hard as you're working. And to me, I was like, what? No, I'm just going to work continuously as hard as I possibly can. And it was the first time uh, that, that she really had done that reframing of you no know, sustainability and, and performance over long term means you have to dedicate yourself as much to your rest and recovery and to your well-being uh, kind of moment to moment to make sure you're in a really good space when you absolutely have to perform at your highest. Um, and that, that was kind of freeing to me, that, that there needs to be an intentionality around uh, rest and recovery that actually aids performance. I think that's a great analogy. And as I think some people know, we're both rowers. And so it resonates with me in the rowing world, but it resonates with me in life too. And it's like why I read a pop culture book and not medicine every night, because that helps me break from the world of medicine at least for a few hours in the evening or an hour or sometimes 15 minutes because I can't stay awake. Um, 
but I think finding those places and, and understanding why it's so important to do that is a great, great message. Um, in the spirit of resilience, I like people to have a short time to listen to this podcast and not be spending hours and hours. So I'm going to wrap up our conversation in a minute. But I was wondering if there was like one micro practice that you were going to leave folks with that that maybe would help towards cultivating resilience. And you've given a lot of great ideas. You've you know talked about food, nutrition, and and exercise, and being outside, and and having fun, and relationships. All of that's really helpful. Is there one additional micro practice that you say like? try this and it might help towards that cultivation yeah you know i think i'm i'm gonna actually share two oh fine to mind as as you're (laughs) chatting with me here uh the first and i think it's kind of 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 the moment that we're in um taking taking a moment to recognize what you can control and what you can't control um i feel like that has become a very salient way to think about um helping yourself experience resilience. If you're, if you're really kind of over feeling stress and anxiety around the things that you can't control, uh, that, that's not really benefiting you. So I think recognizing what's out of our control and then allowing ourselves to focus on what we can control, um, it suddenly makes life a little bit more manageable, even in a time of uncertainty. Um, the second one is actually, I, I think, can be pretty powerful. We tend to move from moment to moment and conversation to conversation without really taking a pause. And I feel like this can be a big challenge as we are moving from from work to home or if we are working from home now, kind of if you are, are needing to make that transition. Um, try and take a minute to arrive as, as you are shifting gears. Uh, if you're walking through a threshold, however you're going to greet the plant or the cat or the partner or the kid on the far side and and really take a moment and allow yourself to to choose what you're bringing with you through that door and how you want to actually show up um, and what you actually want to be intentional about leaving behind and i think that intentionally about intentionality can in this moment even transition into how am i clicking on the next zoom link and how do i want to kind of show up there uh in the time when it feels like we never really get to shut off but trying to be intentional and think about taking a moment to arrive before we actually jump into the next conversation those are both great and it was worth getting two instead of just one thanks overall i learned a lot in this conversation and you and i have talked about all of this before but it's still great to kind of go over it again for me and i'm confident our listeners will learn from this conversation as well And I'll say, if you're interested and want to listen to more episodes of Thrivecast, you can find them at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find them on the UW School of Medicine faculty website at faculty.uwmedicine.org. Thanks again, Anne. It's been a pleasure. And thanks to everybody for listening. Have a great day.